Good morning. It's my privilege to read from God's Word today. The passage, Romans 8, verses 1 to 11, which you can find on page 916 of the Pew Bible. Romans 8, 1 to 11. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, who are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, the, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. I am so glad you're here and didn't stay in your beds this morning. And um, you're probably thankful that I got out of bed too. Hopefully you will be. And uh, we were at a wedding last night and uh, got to bed by 12. I tried not to talk too much at the wedding. The music was fun but loud. Uh, and um, hopefully my voice will sound okay. <laughs> uh, but we are looking at a, at a beautiful part of the scriptures uh, if you are new to us, uh, we started a series in Romans 6 to 8, and um, we've done chapter 6 and chapter 7. Now we hit chapter 8, one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible. Let me pray that God will speak to us through it. Lord God, we come to you now and uh, we surrender our minds, our thoughts, our behaviours, our wills to you. Please speak to us by your spirit and your word that we would see the beauty of what you have achieved for us through Christ, and that we would pursue holiness and righteousness to bring glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, uh, it was many years ago I, I read a quote uh, by a woman called Bessie Bardot. I have a photograph there. Uh, she was a model, an author, the girl about town, and it was a good weekend at the 20th anniversary edition of The Good Weekend. A good number of years ago now. And um, she says this. It says, when I was 20, I was a live-in nanny. I lived in a five-story house in Bellevue Hill. 
until I got engaged that year. I was in love with hot pink and my fiancé, though what I was thinking on both counts, I have no idea. I was a member of a full-on born-again church. Yep, praise the Lord, the whole nine yards. I was reading the Bible and trashy women's mags, though I'm still not sure which did me more harm. I listened to three and six-year-olds whine all day and a hip-hop group or the latest Christian praise tape at night. I did too much staying at home and praying and I never ever drank, partied, stayed out late or considered that there might be more to life than what my Sunday school teacher had taught me. Live and learn, huh? What will your life be like in 12 months' time or 20 years' time? There are plenty of people uh, in the language we use today deconstructing their faith. I had that Jesus stuff. Oh, that's, I'll leave all that behind. Seemingly, she was mocking the gospel, Lord Jesus, and what he offers us. There are people today, maybe you knew, and maybe you're in your church, maybe they were your pastors who no longer follow Jesus. They live in the realm of the flesh, not the realm of the spirit, for example. Maybe your husband or your wife, your son or your daughter, your mother or your father. What will you be like in 12 months or 20 years' time? Will you speak about the love of God, the beauty of the cross, the life-transforming power of the Spirit? Or will you give in to the temptations of the world, mocking the Saviour and his truth? Will you set your mind on the sinful nature or the flesh? Or will you set your mind on the things of the Spirit? The Bible says that the sinful nature, the world and Satan, war against us as followers of Jesus. But God wants us to become men and women of authentic faith with increasing Christian maturity and holiness. People who know Christ and are changed by him. But how can we do this? Friends, I'm told that in the Kruger National Park in South Africa, you'll often find the carcasses of giraffes that have been killed by lions. The lion's favourite meat is giraffe. But the giraffe, in protecting itself against the lions, has three main weapons. Number one, camouflage. Number two, it has two strong hind legs by which it can defend itself. But thirdly, most importantly, it has perspective. It's tall, right? <laughs> Looks over the top and can see the lion coming. When you see it coming, it takes off. And we need to get a giraffe's eye view of maturity and holiness if we are ever to achieve it. We need to get perspective. And Romans chapter 8 gives us perspective. It speaks of the work of Jesus, the work of the Spirit, and the work of God. It describes for us life in the Spirit. A life animated, sustained, directed, and enriched by the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit... True Christian discipleship would be inconceivable, indeed impossible. But the Apostle also relates this theme, life in the Spirit, to its overarching theme in the chapter, namely the absolute security of the children of God. And you all know Romans starts with these beautiful words, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And Romans 8 finishes even better, there is no separation. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
No condemnation when you're in Christ and no separation at the end. And everything in between those two things is brilliant. You read Romans 8. Read it. Memorize it. The truth that will come between those two verses will change your life if you take hold of them. Firstly, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Important to keep in mind this no condemnation idea that in Romans 5 verse 1, we have the positive declaration. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We got that in Romans 5. You place your faith in the Lord Jesus, you're declared right in God's eyes. You receive Christ's righteousness. God looks at you as if you'd never sinned. Perfect. Romans 5.1. That was the positive aspect. And the negative component is Romans 8. Therefore, because of that, there is now no condemnation. I remember speaking to a friend who, when I explained the gospel, the fact that it's by faith in Christ, by grace alone and faith alone, she's saved. She said, it's just too good to be true. Ever felt like that? Too good to be true. I said, no, you are justified by faith. You are declared not guilty. Live in the freedom that God brings you. And friends, I spoke at a funeral on Monday. A small family funeral for Barry Taylor, who passed away a week or so ago. And I took him to these verses. So when Barry put his faith in Jesus, the words, no condemnation, were spoken over his life. At his finally moments, no condemnation was spoken over his life. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, those words are spoken over your life. And why is there no condemnation? Because the gospel, the law principle of the spirit of life, has set us free from the law of sin and death. We saw last week that the law cannot save you. It reveals your sin. It uh, condemns you. The only way of salvation is Christ. I love a little poem by John Bunyan. Have a look at this one. It says, To run and work the law commands, it gives me neither feet nor hands. But better news the gospel brings, it bids me fly and gives me wings. Difference between the Old Testament law and the New Testament. We are now in Christ. We now have the Holy Spirit to enable us to obey God's word. And we needed Christ as a sin offering to make this work. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful nature, man, to be a sin offering. Why can you be certain there will be no condemnation over your life? Because of God's act of redeeming us and condemning our sin in Christ. If you are in Christ, there's no condemnation on that final day. And later in Romans, we'll come to that in a few weeks, but he says a couple of these things just to to drive home the truth. Brothers and sisters, rest in Christ. You are secure. It says uh, in Romans 8.33 that nobody can accuse us because God has justified us. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies Let the enemies accuse you. Let Satan accuse you. Let your parents accuse you. But God justifies. No one can condemn us, he says in verse 34. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died and more than that was raised to life. He's the right hand of God interceding for us. And friends, when I sin, you know what the son says to the father? He's mine. 
My sins have covered. My death has covered his sins. But sadly, people will try to do anything to win a relationship with God. Follow rules, commandments, go to church, go on pilgrimages, uh, go to somewhere in Europe to go on these pilgrimages trying to be right with God, go to Sunday school, give money to the poor, everything except trust Christ. I've got to do these things, I've got to do these things. You cannot win a relationship with God through self-effort. God has satisfied himself with Jesus. So let me ask you this way. What's your week been like at the office? Was it good or bad? With your wife or husband, has it been good or bad? Had some fights, some arguments? With your study, if you're studying, good or bad? Maybe you've been on holidays, how did it go? (laughs) Good or bad? Whatever the case, it doesn't matter, there is no condemnation over you. But there is more. There's the resources to now obey God's word. And so he condemns sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Justified, no condemnation, now empowered by the Holy Spirit. Verse 5 to 11 says there are two ways to live. There are always two ways to live, aren't there? The way of the spirit or the way of the flesh. He says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Just two ways, friends. The sinful nature or the flesh, the lust of the eyes, materialism, immorality, drunkenness, gambling, selfishness, the shoot of gold, glory, girls, boys, whatever it happens to be. While the Spirit will lead you to love and joy and peace and patience and service and witness and grace and generosity and Christ-centered living and world mission. And so we are called to ask this morning, what have I got my mind set on? Even as you came this morning, what's your mind set on? Is it the things of the Spirit or the things of the flesh? Did you give in to the flesh this week? If you did, repent. God will forgive you and you'll keep moving forward. So to set our mind on the flesh is death. It will lead to eternal death. Spiritual death, eternal death. Friends, I was reading a story and, uh, by a guy called Steve Davies. And uh, it was in a little book called Jesus All About Life. Uh, that was brought out a number of years ago. And that we had the gospel, but they also had testimonies. And Steve... Um, when this was printed, worked for the Bible Society of Queensland. But that wasn't always the case. This is how he describes himself. He said, I was stoned and bored. I was watching Humphrey B. Bear on an old television set in a Townsville pub. He said, I was skinny Steve Davies. I was an 18-year-old drug addict. Had nothing better to do with my life. So then Helen the Cleaner walked into the room. He said, I was doing my best to avoid her as she cleaned my room while I'm there, drug addicted. A terrible mess with no hope and no future. And then I I thought this woman was strange, this Helen, because she pulled out a Bible, started to read the Bible. And I said to her, why do you read the Bible? He said, because God speaks to me through it. He said, oh, I thought thought only God spoke through seances and uh, all these other strange ways. She was telling me that God spoke to her through the Bible. 
and said she would finish her vacuuming and I was so glad when she'd leave. I would go back to watching Humphrey B. Bear on an old television set in a Townsville pub. So a little bit later, on her final visit to me, and before I left that place, she was so scared to talk to me. She, on the way out, she said, Steve? And she threw a Bible at him. Picked it up. I said, what's this? What's the Bible? I think it... I think you need some help. Steve, how about you read that Bible? She left. Never saw her again. Then I started to read that Bible. As I opened it up over the next 12 months, I realised that Jesus was God's son who died and rose again, that my life was a mess, and I repented. And instead I ended up on my knees outside of Brisbane Church at 3 o'clock in the morning, putting my faith in Jesus Christ. It says, I tracked track down Helen, the cleaner in North Queensland. I asked her why she gave me a Bible. And she said, Steve, well, look, to be honest with you, I was scared of you. And I knew I didn't have any answers for you. But I knew the Bible had the answers, so I gave it to you. Steve was dead. The mind, setting the mind on the flesh leads to death. But the gospel brings salvation. But secondly, to set the mind on what the Spirit desires is life and peace. You see, sometimes people think, I'll become a Christian, I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit, I, I lose my fun in life. No, no, no. You find life and peace by coming to Jesus. And I'm going to show you a video right at the end of this sermon, which is going to speak on this truth. Someone who ran away from Jesus, when he came to Je she came back to Jesus with her husband, they found life and peace, fellowship with God, abundant life, peace with God, peace with others, an integrated life. And thirdly, the great privilege of the children of God is to have the indwelling spirit to fight and subdue indwelling sin. Because we don't do it in our, on our own. If you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So the spirit of Christ... Well, Spirit of God is Spirit of Christ, that's synonymous there. The Spirit lives in us, Christ lives in us. So when we talk about Christ living in us, we talk about the Holy Spirit living in us, both are true. In order to change us, to live God's way. I had a mate at school, his name was Peter, great guy like myself. We both grew up in the Greek Orthodox Church and uh, I'd often have debates with my friends having come to faith uh, because they thought because they were religious or they had a religious background, that made them Christians. It was always hard to break through. And maybe you have that experience with friends who are religious but don't know Jesus personally. And so I would take him along to the ICF group. We were both there, I think, year 11, year 12, or year 12. And one day he came, he'd come the odd occasion because he was interested in spiritual things. And we read this text, this very text. And as we read this verse, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. He said, Ange, you're right. I'm not a Christian. I'm going, well, how do you get that? I've been trying to convince him he's not a Christian for a long time. So then he can repent, right? Because unless you realize you're not a Christian, you won't come to Christ. If you already think you're a Christian, he said, well, the Bible says, if anyone doesn't have the spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. He said, I don't even know who the Holy Spirit is or what that is. So I can't have him, but I don't even know who he is. Then able to share the gospel with him and explain how it all works. Friends, when you put your faith in Christ and repent, you receive the Holy Spirit. It's a great privilege. 
and the power to live this new life. Whatever you struggle with, lust, pornography, judgmentalism, criticism, selfishness, vanity, the Holy Spirit can help you to subdue those things. You're no longer under the dominion of sin. But there's more to come to, he says. It's not only the power of the Spirit for now, but there's blessings into the future. But if Christ is in you, then even your body subject to even though your body is subject to death because of sin, and we all die, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Because there's a sense in which we've always been dying. I turned 62 the other day, and ever since I was born, for 62 years I've been dying. Dr. Lloyd-Jones said this, The moment we enter this world and begin to live, we also begin to die. Your first breath is one of the last you will ever take. The principle of decay leading to death is in every one of us. But we are spiritually alive, he says, because of the Holy Spirit. Because of Adam's sin, we die physically. Because of Christ's righteousness, we live spiritually. But there's more to come. There is eternal life, the resurrection of the body. Verse 11 reminds us that the indwelling spirit guarantees the resurrection of the body. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. I was involved, well, I attended a funeral on Friday and I took a funeral on Monday. I took a funeral the previous Friday. Friends, our hope is that because of the saving work of Jesus, no condemnation, justified by faith, filled with the Holy Spirit, with a guarantee that Christ will give life to our mortal bodies through his Spirit. That's great news, isn't it? The singer-presenter, Colin Buchanan, that you all will be aware of, again, I was looking at that little booklet, Jesus All About Life, and he gives this testimony. It says, God, who is the rightful rule of every passion and desire of every heart, meets sin with grace, defiance with love. His claim on me and my life remains compelling. God wants me, all of me, for himself. I'm not trying to convince you to sign up for some sort of God-flavoured hobby club. You may say, of such things, it's not my bag. But the heart of the good news is peace for the fallen, life for the dead, hope for the hopeless. Would a drowning man push away the winch that could lift him to safety? Would the AIDS sufferer knowingly reject the drug that could save her? We all face the choice of confronting God as angry judge or embracing him as forgiving father. The very thing we need the most, yet are powerless to provide, he has made possible in Jesus. Will you make the desperate grope for life and know the eternal, unshakable grip of your God? It's the most wonderful, sobering, invigorating, purposeful, freeing decision I have ever made, he says. And in a moment, we're going to go to the Lord's Supper and to remember that wonderful sacrifice that makes it all possible. But I began with Bessie Bardot, and I will finish with her. Because I googled her while I was doing preparation this week. I'd had her story for many years now. I thought, I wonder what Bessie Bardot is doing now. A powerful work of God's grace has taken place in her life. 
and in her husband's life. I'm going to show you a five-minute clip in a moment that I have on their website. That's the same woman, longer hair. said, following my dreams turned into the biggest nightmare and greatest adventure of my life. Thank goodness God had a plan, better plan than mine. From small beginnings in a hippie commune to all the glamour, fame and trappings of primetime television, best-selling books, national syndicated radio show, tours of Iraq with the troops, success, scandal, shame, hurt, death, hopelessness. Bessie and her husband's lives were transformed entirely after they set out in a small van around the world in an eight-year intense life change experiment. For eight years, they travelled the world trying to find the answers to life. I'll tell you what happened. After trying literally everything under the sun to find happiness, I never in my wildest dreams imagined I would be sharing with others the shocking power of God's restoring love. I couldn't believe I'd missed out on this miracle all these years. Said, people have forgotten that we are not alone. Who wouldn't want to do life with the infinite power of the universal creator on their side? You're praying for someone who's deconstructed? You're praying for someone who decides to live a different way? God is powerful to change. Never give up. Have a look at this video. Hi, I'm Bessie. I'm Jeff. I'm Blueba, and this is our story. I'm alone with you. Crazy times, uh, wild parties. You're under a microscope. Everyone expects you to be fabulous and everyone expects you to be grateful for how cool your life is, which is, I think, one of the reasons why so many celebrities go off the, off the deep end. One day I woke up and thought, no more. My husband said, uh, let's give away everything we own and just see what happens next. A celebrity couple literally leaving it all behind. Being in the spotlight. Announced they were giving away everything they own. Hi, I'm Bessie. We had uh, some significant successes in Australia and we had it for about 10 or 15 years and uh, as anybody who knows who's had success, um, it can be a little bit of a disappointment and you start to strive for more and more and eventually you start to realise that this is actually going nowhere and I was becoming more and more depressed um, and looking for more and more ways to drown that misery of depression as you begin to realise that all the things you thought were going to bring you happiness uh, are not. When you see your, your partner and you can just see the pain they're in from their searching and their seeking and I was always just pretty happy wherever I was but I could see he needed to find more. He had big questions to get answers for. I've done a lot of spiritual studying. Almost every ism you can imagine, you know, Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism, Taoism. It had given me the desire to want to know whether this spiritual thing was a reality. I had just given birth to my first child, <laughs> so giving everything away wasn't on my to-do list. But it started us on the journey and we then set off uh, on a, a faith adventure around the world. We were literally left with a van and a suitcase. We went to 29 countries with no money. We lived with hippies in a hippie commune, we lived with the Hare Krishnas, the Buddhists, Hindus. Uh, we tried everything and time and time again looked like they'd almost have the answer but not quite. 
and we would run into people all the time you know do odd jobs for them help meet needs here and there trying to help a single mum here get her thoughts together she's got grand grand plans we do it all for free but inevitably they'd cook us a curry or give us a bottle of wine or cheese and and that's how we lived not all glamour out here There's a whole nother existence going on outside there. Almost an underground movement. People who live off the land, live off the grid. Hello America! This dude. <laughs> we moved just over the road from Mariners. One day I was walking up the hill and I had this voice saying, you've been all around the world doing all these crazy spiritual things, but you're not prepared to walk 100 yards over the road to find out what this place is about. The guy, I said, look, I'm not a Christian. I don't believe at all, but I want to come in here. Are you okay to have a non-Christian in, in the group? Because we'd love to have a non-Christian in the group. I went, oh, all right. <laughs> so both Basie and I decided we were gonna give it a go. And for the first time, my eyes were opened. And I, that's the moment when I felt God saying, You've spent so many years emptying yourself, but what are you filling yourself with? And when I, when I came into this experience and I realized everybody's accepting, in fact they say, come with your story, bring your story, don't forget it, it happened, and, and now God's going to use it for good. I just realized that, that grace, the concept of, of being loved even though, even before everything is just so beautiful. It's changed everything. There was a fullness to this, a, a, a lovingness to this that I'd, I'd never experienced before. And I was like, this is, this is it. This is the top of the mountain. And you know, I want to stay here. <laughs> <laughs>